Good morning. God bless you. So thankful to the Lord for uh, you coming, gathering this morning to hear a word from the Lord, uh, really been in the presence of God concerning this trilogy that uh, we started last week. And I'm just excited about where God is taking us. Uh, matter of fact, let me, let me scoop my chair back here just a little bit, just in case I, I get a little bit excited. Um, I'm definitely um, hearing from God, and I want to impart something into your life today in part two, the power of the blood, uh, that uh, if we begin to really incorporate what God is saying to us, it can have a dynamic effect at changing the entirety of our life, changing how you see yourself, how you understand yourself, your purpose. I believe that God wants to do something amazing in the hearts and minds of his people. I believe that you tuning in today, God is trying to reach you to tell you something very special about you that the enemy has been hiding from you and the enemy has been lying to you about. I believe that today, you can get revelatory knowledge that will go beyond the head knowledge that we talked about yesterday or uh, last Sunday and go into a heart knowledge that brings such an elevation in your thinking, such an elevation in the truth of God in your life that you'll never, never, ever be the same. So, I'm going to go ahead and, and begin. I thank again those that are joining in. For those that um, miss any part of this broadcast, if you join in a little bit later, it will be rebroadcast uh, on Thursday. It will also be searchable on our website at www.graceandmercyfc.com. You can uh, find it there. If you have Roku television, you can find us on your Roku device at GMFC TV, Grace and Mercy Fellowship Center Television. You can see us there and all the previous uh, services and sermons and, and what have you. So um, we thank the Lord for you. We're also on YouTube, same thing, Grace and Mercy Fellowship Center. Uh, we're live streaming on all the different platforms and uh, we just want to bring a word that will change your life and enrich your life. So if you miss anything, tune back in. Uh, you can search it out. You can find it by date, by title, um, or just go to the oldest and start watching them from there on in. And then if you're in the Columbus area, come catch us live the next time that we are allowed uh, to gather in the sanctuary. Franklin County is now under the level of red uh, during this COVID-19. It seems as if the numbers have begun to rise again on COVID cases. We believe in practicing wisdom and doing things as the law determines. So we are not gathering today in the sanctuary, but we're looking forward to God allowing us by his grace bringing these numbers down and having a sustained um, lower number that brings the level of the city 
and especially the county down so that we can gather together in great celebration and fellowship one with another. But let's go to the word. Last week, uh, we began this trilogy of the blood. And as we take our second step today in this journey of discovery, boldly going where God is leading us, I want you to notice with me the power that is associated, the power that is in the blood. I remember when I was younger, growing up in New York, uh, going to church there in the Bronx, and the saints would be singing that song. Every Sunday, as a matter of fact, we sung this song. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Maybe some of you uh, that are on here that are you know, from the New York days, from the days when we were right there at 4222 3rd Avenue in the Bronx. Uh, remember us coming together and singing. Uh, what a powerful song that was. Many times it wouldn't take much more than just singing that song where the whole church would break out and shouting and dancing and celebration and we would just have a good old fashioned uh, Holy Ghost filled uh, time of celebration uh, just singing and thinking about the power of the blood that is found in the Lord. If you read the Bible, you'll find that it says something very um, important. Something, Well, everything it says is important, but there's something that I want to point to today that's really important to uh, the topic of our discussion. In 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, the 18th verse, it says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Watch this now. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. The preaching of the gospel is the power of God for us that are saved. It may be for some foolishness, but for us that are saved, it is the very power of God. As a matter of fact, my former pastor, Bishop Schaus, used to uh, love to talk about the power uh, of God, and he would uh, get us focused on the word dynamos. It is the dynamos of God, of God, or the dynamite of God. There is power, power, wonder-working, dynamite, explosive power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Uh, what, what, what kind of dynamic, explosive life, altering power is it? Well, I'm glad that you asked, because I want to tell you today the kind of power that you have at your disposal, the kind of power that is existing in the life of every blood-bought believer. If you're a believer, if you're bought by the blood of the Lamb, then you have power. There's power in you, and you need to realize the power that you have so you can begin to exercise it in your life. In the first place, it's a redeeming power. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19 says that we are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot. So the Blood has 
power to redeem us. Oh, how wonderful that is. If you think back over your life, you realize that you are born in sin. The Bible declares that we are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. So in essence, you are born into the prison house of sin. You're born into slavery to the master of sin, which is the devil. And the blood of Jesus Christ redeems us or it brings us out. It is the great escape. It is the blessing of our freedom. Are you tired of being Satan's pawn, sacrificed on the chessboard of life? Well, you've got to realize that there is a power in existence in you that will free you from the prison or the bondage of sin. Jesus has bid for your soul and he bid with his own precious blood. So what does the blood do? Well, it redeems. In, in, in essence, and I put this on Facebook not too long ago, I am the fulfillment of his redemptive power. I am the evidence of his redemptive power. I am his redemption in motion. You ought to look at yourself in the mirror every once in a while and remind yourself that you are the evidence of God's redemption, that you are God's redemption in motion, in action. You are the evidence of it. Uh, my old master is angry and is raging against my redemption. And at every turn, I hear propaganda of my past while my own flesh itself refuses to be free. But the power of his blood in my own redemption has brought truth and knowledge to my life. The blood has signed the proclamation of my emancipation from the slavery to sin. I've been freed, I've been delivered, I've been set free from the power of sin and death. I've been liberated into the life of my dear Savior, Jesus. What else does the blood do? What happens when I'm redeemed? Well, it, the Bible tells me it brings us closer to God. Ephesians 2 and 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh or near by the blood of Christ. Don't you realize you have a backstage pass your backstage pass close, your dressing room close, your throne room close. As a matter of fact, when this opens your sight, you're going to find that you are so close to God that you are seated at the right hand of God on the throne of God right now. It's not something that's going to happen in the future. It's something that has happened already. You are seated those who are in Christ are seated in Christ where Christ is sitting right now. I am in Christ and Christ is in me. So wherever Christ is, so am I to be. And he is seated at the right hand of God. Oh my Lord. It's so wonderful when you think about how close to God you are. I heard a story uh, that was told once about a lady who was in a funeral home and she was weeping. She had lived a sinful life and she had deep uh, need for comfort in her life. And 
Her pastor comes to visit her, and he looks at her with anguish uh, you know, on her face, and he says to her, or she asks him rather, Pastor, why is God so far away? And the pastor replies to her with this sympathetic smile, my dear lady, it is not God that's far away from you. It is you that's far away from God. You see, sin is what separates us from a holy God. Sin is what brings a chasm between us and God. God's desire is for us to be close to him. Sin separates us from him. When I think of this story, it reminds me of a, of, of a conversation between a husband and wife who had been married for quite some time. Maybe some of the married people listening can relate to either side of this conversation. The husband and wife, they're driving along in their car and the husband is the driver. His wife is the passenger. She looks over at him as he's driving. Now she's sitting by the passenger door, close to it, kind of leaning up on it. He's sitting in the driver's seat behind the wheel, tending to the needs of the car. She says, you know, when we first got married, do you remember how close we used to sit together as we sat in the in the car? where our shoulders were next to each other and our hands were intertwined. You had one hand on the steering wheel and the other hand was in mine. The husband, the driver of the car, looks over at his wife and he says, I haven't moved. Think about that for a minute. You see, God is doing what his position demands. God is in his position of holiness. He's in his position of righteousness. And God and man used to be in perfect fellowship in the Garden of Eden until sin drove this wedge between us. But when the power of the blood redeems us, then the blood draws us nigh or closer to where God is. It doesn't bring God to us. It brings us to God. Hear the words of God in his holy word again. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. That's right there. Uh, that's, that, that, that in, in its knowledge, in its fullness, when you begin to think about it, should inspire a Holy Ghost explosion in you. You are drawn closer to God. That's what we would call in the church a praise break. This is when the organist would lose his mind, the drummer would lose their mind, and the church would all go crazy because you're reminded that you are close again with God, no longer separated. Imagine how it feels for us who have been distant from our loved ones only to be reunited again in a bond of closeness. My eldest son and daughter-in-law have been distant from us for years, but by God's grace, have come home for a visit. Now, they're not distant because of any discord. They're distant because they live in a different state. Their jobs have taken them into a place where we are not. But they have come back to home where we are to see the joy in the face of my wife as she embraced her son 
which she had not been able to do because of the vast distance that exists between us, is breathtaking. Saints of God, the power of the blood rejoins us in close fellowship with God. It brings us to where God is. Oh, hallelujah. Think about that. You are not any longer outside where God is visiting you, where you're at. You're so close to God that you are now inside. You're in the inner circle. You are in the throne room. The Bible declares you can come boldly into the throne room to obtain help in your time of need. Why? Because you reside in Christ in the throne room right next to God. Oh, how great and mighty and powerful that is that anytime I'm standing in need, I don't have to find God because he's already standing right there because he's brought me close to him. What else does the blood do? Well, the next thing that the power of the blood does is it, 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 it redeems us, it brings us close again, and it makes peace between us and God. Colossians 1 and 20 says, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. Oh man, I'm about to lose my mind up in here. God made peace through the blood of his son at the cross. I heard another story about a woman on her deathbed. It goes a little something like this. A woman laying dying in her bed and her pastor asks her if she had made peace with God. She said, no, I haven't. He said, don't you think it's time you make peace with God? She says, no, I don't. He said, ma'am, don't you know you're gonna die? She said, yeah, I do. So he asked her, why don't you wanna make peace with God? She said, because he already made peace with me at the cross and it's that peace I'm resting in. I can hear Steve Harvey, the host of the Family Feud game show declaring, good answer, good answer. Christ has made this peace. He made it through the power of his own blood. You, you may not say that you have anything against God or that God has anything against you, but the Bible tells us that there's enmity between God and man. In essence, there's warfare that's in existence between God and man and man and God. The Bible declares that we are alienated from God. Ephesians 4 and 18, Colossians 1 and 21, we are alienated from God, separated from God. In fact, we are enemies by nature from the fold of God. And peace needs to be made between us and God. The only thing that can make peace between a righteous and a holy God and sinful man is the power that is in the blood of Jesus. You see, God's not going to just overlook your sin like we would like him to. If God overlooked your sin, he wouldn't be God. In fact, he wouldn't be holy if he just overlooked it. God would be sinful if he overlooked your sin. When a guilty man is acquitted, the judge is condemned. If God lets sin just be swept under the rug, then God himself becomes guilty of sin. So God punishes sin. And when God punished sin, his own son, the Lord Jesus, through that peace was made between God and man. And we who were once far off because of sin have been made close to him 
because we are now at peace with him through the power of the blood. Well, does the blood do anything else for us? Well, the blood of Jesus does something very wonderful. It does something so amazing. It not only redeems us, it not only makes us close, it not only establishes peace, but it cleanses us. It washes us whiter than snow. The Bible says in 1 John 1 and 7, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. How much sin? All sin. Don't get it twisted. All sin is cleansed by the power of the blood. You've got to realize in your heart, you've got to realize in your mind that there's absolutely no sin that you can commit that is beyond the power of the blood. How great your sin, how much greater the grace of God through the power of the blood of Jesus. There is no sin that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse you from. It never fails. It reminds me, my wife and I, we like to go out to eat. If it's one thing we like to do, we like to go out and eat. When you go out today, you see people, they're dressed in the old kind of way, casual attire. My wife and I, we still like to dress up of sorts, get pretty, look good when we go out. And even though casual seems to be the accepted standard everywhere these days, it's not accepted by us. So we, we try to look our best or at least as close to our best as we can. Anyone who knows me knows that I may own one or two suits, and I may wear one or two suits when we go out, but without fail, my beautiful wife will get dressed up, and will go out for dinner, and she will always bring her dinner home with her but not in a container. She will wear it home with her. As a matter of fact, she looks good in everything she eats. And I think that this happens to a lot of us when we go out. Without fail, you drop something on yourself and you get frustrated because maybe it's that favorite garment. It's that favorite outfit. Without fail, my wife does it we, to this point, just chuckle when it happens. But there was a time when she would get upset. So you know me, I'm full of wisdom. And I would share my wisdom with her. Don't worry about it. We'll just take it to the cleaners. But my wife makes me laugh sometimes because she has to do it her way. So she tries the spot removers and all the different tricks and uh, you know, wives' tales and mother's tales to get whatever the spot is out, only to find out oftentimes it made it worse. Then we would go to the drive cleaner, to the dry cleaner, and the dry cleaner would have the nerve to tell us that spot may not come out. We'll do the best we can. Matter of fact, the dry cleaner now even has stickers that they put on your garment that tells your spot could not be removed. But we take the outfit to the dry cleaner and they'll work on it and they do their best. And 
they'll call us and tell us our garment is ready and you know they'll ask us how you like it my wife of course with her eagle eyes misses nothing she'll say well I still see the spot and the dry cleaner will tell her that's the best that we could do and then they'll offer some type of consolation prize don't worry no one else is going to notice it because for all practical purposes it's gone you see what they've done diminishes it but it didn't do away with it and you know what happens next that's an outfit my wife never wears again because while nobody else may immediately recognize it right off my wife knows it's there it's actually glowing in her sight this spot that's on her garment I'm so glad that the power of the blood of Jesus doesn't partially clean us. It completely cleans us. You know, there are some people that like to just kind of cover stuff up. They like to get their sin excused. But when Jesus cleans you, when, when you experience the cleansing power of the blood, hear me, it'll put a hallelujah in your soul because when Jesus cleans you, he puts you back like you've never been dirty. Hear what God says in Jeremiah 31 and 34. Their iniquity will I remember against them no more. Your iniquity, God will remember no more. You may even have a conversation with God where you remember because we seemingly can't forget stuff. You might say, Lord, remember that time I lost my temper. And everything that came out of my mouth was nothing like the tongue of a child of God. God will say, when was that? Where was I at when that happened? I can't remember that. Isn't that great? Their iniquities will I remember against them no more. As far as the east is from the west, not the east coast, the west from the west coast, but the east of creation to the west of creation. How vast is that? Well, creation is still expanding. It's ever expanding. It's ever growing. Universe after universe after universe is coming into existence. This is how the East is being pushed from the West and how in the mind of God your sin is being pushed out of his remembrance. As far as the East is from the West, bless God, so far that he has removed our transgressions from us. This is the power that is in the blood. The power to cleanse you from all of your iniquity. To make you iniquity free. Well, what else does it do? Does it do? There's something else I need to mention before I close today. There's another power of the blood that you need to grapple with today before I say bye-bye. It gives you power over the devil. Now, how do I know that? Well, it doesn't matter whether you believe in the devil or not. Because the devil is still real. The devil doesn't exist only because you believe in him. He exists outside of your belief. 
As a matter of fact, he would rather you didn't believe in him. He would rather you didn't know he was there until it was too late. But I know he's there. You see, I've talked to the devil. I've had conversations with him. I have to deal with him on a daily basis when I'm making intercession for the saints of God. As a matter of fact, when I talk to people who get saved, I tell them if you've never met the devil, it's because you and the devil were going in the same direction. You turn around and try to live for God, I guarantee you, you will run into the devil head on. And just because you get saved and get baptized and get filled with the Holy Ghost, don't ever think for a moment the devil's just going to roll over and play dead. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 and 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And how are we going to overcome the devil? Well, the Bible gives us a divine recipe. Revelations 12 and 11 says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Let me say it again for those of you who missed it the first time. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. The preacher and the theologian Charles Spurgeon once said, I used to argue with the devil, but I quit it. He's not worth it because you'll never be able to convince him. You'll never be able to convert him. I tell the people of God all the time, you will never convert the devil and you will never convert your flesh. Stop wasting your time and energy trying to save your flesh and convert the devil. You can't convert him. As a matter of fact, all God has given you power to do is to command him. You need to stop arguing with him and you need to rebuke him in the name of Jesus in the power of the blood of the lamb. There are a lot of people today who are demon possessed or at least demon influenced fooling around with all kinds of things like astrology and extrasensory perception and necromancy and spiritism and fortune telling and Ouija boards and witchcraft of all kinds and all sorts of things. And some of them are doing it in ignorance only because they don't know any better. It's what's been passed down from generation to generation, missing the mark. But unclean spirits are coming into these people and some of them are being oppressed and some of them are being possessed by these devilish demonic spirits. And they had better learn and learn well the power of the blood of Jesus because the only thing that can bring liberty and freedom to anyone bound by the power of the devil is the power that's in the blood of Jesus. It is the redeeming power of God that is in existence in you. You remember when Jesus Christ was preparing for the cross? Jesus said, now is the prince of this world cast out. You can read about that in John 12 and 31. It was at the cross that the power of the devil is broken. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. The worst thing that could have happened for the devil was the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Every time I have failed in this life, the devil is quick to whisper in my ear, you're nothing but a sinner going to hell. You're not saved. You're not sanctified. You're not filled with the Holy Ghost. You're just a filthy, disgusting rag of the earth. But I have to remind him that I am not a sinner. I am the redeemed of the Lord. 
I am washed in the blood of the Lamb. I'm not the sum total of my failure. I am the sum total of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And my sin has already been dealt with. I am in the one that is and was and is to come. The one that stands in my past, that stands in my future and stands in my present at the same time. The one who laid his life down at Calvary. I am standing in, in him. I am seated in him. And because I'm seated in him, I'm delivered from the power of mine enemy, the devil. I'm delivered from the power of God's righteous judgment against sin because I've been washed in his blood. I'm no longer a sinner in need of a savior, but I was one who was found by the, by the savior and can proudly declare, I am the redeemed of the Lord. Who is the redeemed of the Lord? Every redeemed, blood-bought believer ought have just hollered into their telephone, into their screen, into their car. I am the redeemed of the Lord. I am the redeemed of the Lord. I know that there are churches that tell you Sunday after Sunday, you're still a sinner in need of a Savior. How can I be in need of something that I already have? How can I be guilty of something that I've been delivered from? I'm not a sinner any longer at the knowledge of Christ. Giving my life into the hand of Jesus, he has freed me from the power of sin. I am now the redeemed of the Lord, not a sinner. You are not a sinner. You are the redeemed of the Lord, full of his grace and truth, endowed with his power. And the enemy is placed under your feet. You ought to remind yourself, Christ died for your sin. He put your sin under the blood. Don't let the devil torment you. What God has called clean, let no man or demon call unclean. As a matter of fact, the Bible declares in Romans 8 and 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? You are the elect of God. No one has authority to bring any accusation against you. For even when the devil comes into the throne room of God to accuse the brethren, Jesus, your advocate, stands up and says and declares over your life that that has been covered in the blood. Oh, hallelujah, you ought to give God a, 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 a hallelujah right now because even the accusation is powerless. Oh, I wish I had the time to really get into this like I want to, but I encourage you, come back next week and I'll give you the climactic ending of this power-filled trilogy. You've got to understand, people of God, the power that is in the blood. And since the blood is in you, you have power beyond your imagination. You have power above the power of your enemy. You have power above the devil. Oh, praise God, hallelujah. I thank the Lord for his power. God bless you. 
heaven smile upon you and grant to you great peace for every listener who knows not Christ at the revelation of the knowledge I've just released into the atmosphere of your life, you can declare today I'm no longer a sinner by accepting what Jesus has done for you. You can simply declare right now, I believe in the power of the blood of Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the son of the living God. I believe that Jesus laid his life down for me. But he didn't stay in the grave. I believe that the power that is in God resurrected Jesus from the grave. That he's not dead, but he is alive. I believe that his death took care of the penalty of my sin. And I believe because he got up, I too now am able to get up. I am free in the power of Jesus. You now, if you've uttered these words, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you right now are no longer a sinner. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what habits you have. I don't care what addiction you're dealing with. I don't care what kind of relationship you're in. If you uttered these words, God is looking at your heart. If you uttered these words, you right now are the redeemed of the Lord. Your walk with God will take care of anything that is in you that's not like him, whatever it may be. But right now, you are delivered. Right now. Jesus did not come to condemn you. He came to liberate you from condemnation. The word tells us there is now therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ. You now, if you've uttered these words, are in Christ, freed from condemnation, that even the accusation made against you is covered by the blood of Jesus. And as you get to know Jesus, as you get to know the power of God in you, your life will become more reflective of who you are in him. Don't worry if you stumble or you fall. Remind yourself, I'm the redeemed of the Lord and I have power to get up again. The blood has washed me. I am made white as snow. I am whole and clean. I am the redemptive work of Christ. God bless you, people of God. God bless you.